Welcome friends. I'm your host, Darina Gilmore-Young. And I'm Sean Young. And you're listening to episode 11 of Walk, Run, Soar, a podcast about the intersection of faith and running. We help runners and walkers who lack purpose with their exercise routine or lack of routine and long to experience God in a more meaningful way while they walk or run. Today, we are interviewing Carolyn Sue. She is a mama of two, runner and advocate for diversity in running and creating safe spaces for all people to run. We really enjoyed this conversation we had with Carolyn. We chatted about sanctification through injuries, disordered eating, working for equity in the running world, and experiencing God through creation. Friends, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We are here to run with you, to pace you, and to inspire you with weekly devotionals, scripture, interviews, and quick coaching tips in about the time it'll take you to go for a short run or maybe a medium-sized walk. So pop in your earbuds and listen in. Each week, I'll be starting off by sharing a short word of encouragement from scripture to help give you a cool drink of living water before we go into our interview time. And today I wanted to um, share a little bit about a girl that I used to coach. Her name is Hannah and Hannah had this shirt that she would often wear to practice. That was one of my favorites on the front of it. It said, I run like a girl. And on the back, it said, try to keep up. It was one of my favorite running shirts and I loved seeing the growth and the progress in Hannah's life as she became a runner and she gained confidence over time. And the shirt was perfect just to express that journey. In the Bible, we read stories of several women who lacked confidence at first, but whom Jesus healed and used in important ways throughout his ministry. And the women who followed Jesus and ministered with him were there when his body was brought to the tomb after he died on the cross. And so I think about Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus delivered from seven demons, and the other Mary, the mother of James, of Salome, the mother of James and John, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stuart, and how these women were there. They brought spices to the tomb after Jesus' death. And there was this great earthquake that happened that's recorded in scripture after Jesus' death and this angel that was as bright as lightning, as it says in the scriptures, he was there to speak purposefully to the women. And he says this in Matthew 28, he says, don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. This little section empowers these women. The angel chose to share this message about Jesus' resurrection with the women first. And there are a myriad of other more grandiose ways that he probably could have announced this. But God chose to use an angel to reach out personally to the women who were Jesus' friends and followers and whose lives had been transformed by his son. 
So he invited them to be what I would like to call the first eyewitnesses, the first messengers, the carriers of the good news, the gospel. And those women wasted no time. This is my favorite part of the story because it says that they ran. So they were runners. And I imagine them picking up their skirts in their hands and running with all of their strength. These girls were fueled by joy and wild wonder as they had discovered that indeed their savior had risen from the grave. And the only one who could keep up with them was Jesus himself. So he actually stops them in their tracks in Matthew 28 verses nine and 10. He greets them and they run to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And so again, these women have the awesome privilege of testifying that Jesus has risen from the dead, just as he said he would. And in their culture, it might've been difficult to convince the disciples and others that this was true because Jewish men did not often consider women to be reliable witnesses. This was just part of the time, part of the culture but Jesus actually reassures them with his words, don't be afraid. And like the angel, he urges them to go and to tell the brothers, to tell the disciples that he is coming. And so I had the privilege of training my friend, Hannah, who I mentioned in the beginning to run her first half marathon. Not many 12 year olds are signing up to run 13.1 miles, but I knew that Hannah could handle it. And my goal was to run together with her. And she was definitely faster than me and capable of running on her own. In the last mile or so, I set her free to just run, to run like a girl, like Mary Magdalene and like the other women that Jesus met after his resurrection. She was not afraid to run. And it was such a joy to see her cross that finish line. So friends, I want to just encourage you with this word today that even in God's word, there are examples of runners and women who are running. Welcome friends. We are so excited to be here today in this month of November, 2020. And we have a really special guest who is joining us. Her name is Carolyn Sue, and she is a mama of two. She's a runner. She is the creator of two Instagram accounts that I've been following for a while. One is called I run for the glory. And if you've been around here for a little while, you know that I am all about chasing God's glory. So even just the title of her Instagram caught my attention months ago. And then she's also the creator of an account called Diverse We Run, which is another one of my passions. So I am super excited to be able to interview Carolyn today. And she is part of the Running Industry Diversity Coalition. And she's also part of the Runners Alliance in Safety, which is an initiative put on by Runners World Magazine. We're going to be asking Carolyn a little bit more about that later. If you want to see her beautiful face, she also is on the cover of this most recent issue of Runners World Magazine. I'm so excited and proud of her. 
And it, it makes a big difference to just see that representation of Asian Americans on the cover of a magazine that we have read for years. I have had the special privilege of connecting with Carolyn through Instagram, but also through a mutual friend of ours, Christine. So I'm excited to introduce Carolyn today. Welcome, Carolyn. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Well, I want to start off by just letting you tell us a little bit about you, about your family, where you live, and kind of what fills your days in this season. <laughs> My name is Carolyn Sue, and I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. So I'm a native Texan. I'm a daughter of uh, Taiwanese immigrants. My parents came over uh, for grad school in their 20s. And I studied nutrition at the University of Texas in Austin. I practiced as a dietitian for a few years. And then I got married and uh, my husband's job kind of took us all over the place. And um, we moved from Texas to California, then back to Texas. And then now we're here in Massachusetts, where we've been for the last seven years now in the greater Boston area. And now I'm a mom of two kids. I kind of see my life as ministry. I think that God has put on my heart on how to live. So whether it's being involved in my kids' schools or caring for our neighbors in whatever capacity or just using our social media platform, you know, whatever platform that we have to be able to speak truth or encourage and edify others. So that's kind of, I guess, me in a nutshell. <laughs> so Carolyn, tell us, how did you get started in running? Well, it, it really, I started in college freshman year and it's not because I joined a team or anything. It was because I was trying to control an eating disorder that I had starting from a very young age, middle school. That was when the thoughts of wanting to make my, my body look a certain way and controlling it through food and diet and exercise just became more of a priority for me. And part of that had to do with me growing up in a Taiwanese community where most of my peers were small, petite, and just genetically speaking from my dad's side of the family, we're taller and broader. And really, honestly, I'm, I think I'm like average American size, but like <laughs> growing up though, amongst Asian American peers, I was just always the tallest, the broadest person in many Asian cultures. The first thing that people greet you with when they see you is it's an unsolicited commentary on your appearance, right? <laughs> if you've lost weight, if you've gained weight, how different parts of your body are looking. And that combination, plus my personality to always be striving for the best <laughs> in all aspects of life, it really like fueled this desire to feel like I would be worth something or I could prove that I was whatever enough, good enough, attractive enough or whatever enough, you know, capable enough, if I could also measure up to the standard of appearance that was dictated by my social and cultural groups around me. Mm. All of that to say, yeah. when I got to college at that point, you know, from middle school to college, 
I felt like I had exhausted all avenues that I knew of on calorie controlling. I tried a whole bunch of different diets already and I started going to the gym. My family got a gym membership when I was 14 and I would religiously go and running outside was one of the few activities that I had not tried yet. Also because I didn't really know many people who ran. It wasn't a thing in the immigrant Asian population mm. that I was most closely surrounded by, you know, more of the emphasis and focus was on academics and fine arts, but not sports and especially then not running. <laughs> uh, I just happened to know one classmate who we like my friends and I thought he was weird for enjoying <laughs> outdoor activities. He would go running from time to time. And so the first rainy day of the semester. I just thought it would be fun or a good idea to join him on his run. And so we ran from the UT campus all the way to the state capitol and back. I, I remember it being fun because I was with my friend and it was around three miles. And I honestly don't remember because I was just more concerned with how many calories I burned mm -hmm. and whether or not that was going to be enough, you know, to offset whatever actions, you know, that I did earlier in the day. That's basically how I got into running. And it was purely a mechanism to try to prove to myself, really, that I was good enough in whatever that meant to me at that point in life. But of course, over the years, running, you know, thankfully, I think, by God's grace, <laughs> running has really evolved in its meaning and role in my life. And it's become a mechanism through which God has given me an opportunity to connect with other people, to learn more about myself and to, to grow as a person. And now to be able to use running as a tool to amplify others, that's, that's been, it truly is, it's been like the story of redemption. <laughs> I love that. As you were talking, I was thinking of that word redemption and mm -hmm. just how your journey is such a beautiful example of that redemption. And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but just can definitely relate to some of the things you're saying as well. Sean and I are both from Asian American families. He's mm -hmm. Chinese yeah. American and mm -hmm. my family is Filipino and Chinese and also mixed heritage, mm -hmm. not to say that Asian Americans are a monolith, because as mm -hmm, we know, mm -hmm. we all of our experiences are unique. But some mm -hmm. of the things that you touched on, I think, resonate with us. And I appreciate you sharing vulnerably about even just that eating disorder and, and some of those things that originally attracted you to running. Mm -hmm. One of the things I talk about in our new book, Walk, Run, Soar, that's just a passion of mine is being a glory chaser and looking for God's glory and majesty as we run. And so as we coach, as we write, even in our own lives with our kids, we're talking about that a lot. And I see that that is something that you do, even from what you post on social media. And so I want to ask you, where is your favorite place to run? And how do you experience God's glory when you're running? <laughs> I don't really know that I have one favorite place to run. I do love just running outside and where there can be a lot of nature. It's hard to necessarily get out to trails. And plus, 
I'm very accident prone and (laughs) prone to falling. So trail running really is not (laughs) the safest thing for me, but I do enjoy, I mean, now that we live in the Boston area, I do enjoy running through Harvard square along the Charles and then into Boston public gardens. And, and then when we lived in Austin, I always really enjoyed running around town. Well, back then it was called town Lake. I think now (laughs) it's called um, lady bird Lake. But basically this big, the lake that's in the center of the city and just a lot of uh, hiking and walking trails around. And it's all flat trail. Just anywhere that I can be outside and feel, just feel the breeze and feel the air and see the colors and hear the sound. I'm not necessarily always in tune or connected with nature the entire duration of my run but but I do enjoy just being out in the open because Mm -hmm. there are those moments where I think for me it's helpful to be reminded of how small I am Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think a lot about you know how scripture says that all creation sings his praise and how it is because of creation that it's undeniable that there is a creator. Sometimes I like to play devil's advocate of like, how do we really know know, that God exists or, you know, those types of questions. And, but like when I'm out and running, it just reminds me there is someone who is greater and it's good. It's good that he's infinite and I'm finite and it's good (laughs) that I am small and that I'm not the one who's in control of all things. So it's it's just very grounding. So we understand that you've had some setbacks with some injuries recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how have you navigated that? And what encouragement do you have to our audience who may be struggling with injuries themselves? Injury is so humbling because nobody ever plans it, right? And it, it seems to just unexpectedly happen. And so most of the time you are on a training plan already and you have this goal and you have this trajectory that you see yourself on and to have this thrown in your path, I think it feels like a death. And uh, I mean, really, that's what 2020 has been <laughs> for so many of us, right? True like, story. if you haven't dealt with injury up until now, like 2020 has basically been the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I just, the very first, well, I did get my first injury from running was after I had run my first marathon and I just didn't know what I was doing and I was running on shin splints and I didn't know that they were shin splints and I also did not know how to fuel and take care of my body nutritionally. And I ended up fracturing my shins. I had stress fractures. At that point, I was still very young. I was in my early twenties at that time. It was devastating. But at the same time, I think I just thought, thank God I have this excuse to now rest and not run anymore. I healed from that and I was still dealing a lot with disordered eating. So that again was my focus and priority. But recently in 2017 was when I had my first real devastating injury, I would say, because Mm -hmm. at that point I had set this goal to qualify for Boston and, (laughs) and like, just for my own marriage, my husband and I, we had had a lot of years of 
difficulty relating to depression and, and anxiety that was undiagnosed. And 2017, I felt like we were entering this new era of life and of our marriage. We were in counseling and my husband had started taking medication. I just felt like life was opening up and I could finally start to focus on what I wanted to do, you know, in my life. So I set this goal to qualify for Boston. I hired a coach and we created this feasible plan for myself. And I was pushing myself really hard, honestly. I am someone by nature who is like, I'm all or nothing, you know? So I'm like all in. Again, it's that mindset of like striving for excellence in all that I do. I also just didn't know at the time that I was kind of taking on too much too quickly. I also have flat feet. <laughs> so that mm. automatically pulls, you know, your ankles, your knees, your hips, everything is out of alignment as you're running, unless you strengthen all of these areas. And so what ended up happening was I got posterior tibial tendonitis. And basically I had like a series of really hard workout runs and I did them all and I felt so proud of myself. And then I woke up one morning and I could not bear weight on my left mm -hmm. foot. I like fell out of bed because I just did not expect that yeah. pain. I had to be in a boot cast. I had to get all this imaging and testing done and mm -hmm. all this stuff. But overall, like the whole process of resting, allowing the inflammation to calm down, and then focusing on these like micro muscles to strengthen tediously one day at a time, one week at a time, <laughs> and then slowly rebuild and get back into running, run, walk, and then slowly, you know, mm -hmm. like extending those periods of running. running. That whole process took about a year. And I just like lost my sense of self <laughs> mm -hmm. in that. I didn't realize how little I was grounded in Christ, but it was through that injury that not only did God reveal to me the areas physically in my body that had been very weak and that needed to be strengthened and reinforced, but he really showed me spiritually in my life, all the areas that I needed to tend to, I never did growing up. I just wasn't taught to be introspective. And, and then on top of that, you know, when your marriage basically feels like you're in survival mode and you have two young kids, it just, I never had that opportunity really to really dig deep in understanding what it means that in Christ, I am enough. And apart from my performance as an athlete, my performance as a wife, my performance as a mother, you know, any of those things. And coming from this background where it's all about performance and achievements, and I was good at that, you know, I was always in leadership positions growing up. And those were actually the things that gave me my sense of identity. But when I was injured and there was no other like external thing that could affirm or validate, you know, my efforts. It just really was a time of revelation and opportunity of God asking me to, that I could either continue to be devastated about what I had wanted, what my plans were, or I could relinquish and allow God to show me what it is that he wants to show me. 
with injury and with life right now. You know, we all had our plans. <laughs> and as with all of life, right? Like the things that feel really unexpected to us are not unexpected to the Lord. And while God has our best in store for us, he also desires our heart. And and sometimes that process entails, you know, showing us the things that need to die, <laughs> you know, and that death is always painful, but that's the gospel, right? There's new life after death and um, there's resurrected life after the deaths. <laughs> and so really my encouragement, I think, for anybody who's dealing with injury or just disappointment in general is to take the time to mourn. I think that's really important. We do need to allow ourselves that. And mm -hmm. Jesus also grieved and he mourned as well. Allow yourself the time to just grieve, yeah. be angry, be frustrated, be disappointed because God can handle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like when we're able to fully just like give all of that to the Lord, then like, okay, we can also move forward with him. My mantra on a regular basis was, yeah, we can be honest about the things that are challenging and that kind of suck, but focus on the blessings, you know, mm -hmm. like instead of focusing and dwelling upon what I can't do to continuously ask, okay, well, what can I do? Lord, what can we do together today? And just to take it one day at a time. Oh, that's so powerful. I yeah. love how you kind of walked us through that process. And I think it's it's something that those of us who have endured injuries can relate to. Mm -hmm. We really have to reckon with our sense of identity, our sense of control when you're enduring an injury. Sean and I both have had injuries at different yep. times, and mm -hmm. I can really understand what you're talking about too, where it's like, okay, we have to figure out like, where do we stand with the Lord and mm -hmm. really relinquish that feeling of control or striving. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's the working out of our faith happens in that place of injury. Mm -hmm. I also like how you said that towards the end about how you try to focus on what you can do, not what you mm -hmm. can't do. That's something that mm -hmm. I tend to preach to a lot of the athletes mm. that I work with when they're injured. I try to focus and shift the conversation. Well, what can you do? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and let's work yeah. on that. You know, however yeah. small or big, let's focus on what you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really opportunity for growth and for discovery, yeah. you know? And like, for me, I, the first time around, <laughs> first time, cause I've been injured many times. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I had that injury in 2017 and I wasn't able, I wasn't allowed to run. That was when I was able to explore spinning and cycling yeah. more. And then ended up connecting with a really great cycling community. And then I became a spin instructor. <laughs> like oh, <wow. laughs> a certified spin instructor. Like the instructors there, like just really, they felt like they saw potential in me and they wanted to encourage me to pursue that. I don't teach or anything anymore because then I started getting back into running. Something like that, that I never, that's like really out of my comfort zone. And I never would have thought of pursuing, but it just became something that, God used to affirm me of like, you are a very capable person. <laughs> and I want you to know that your identity is not just tied up as mm -hmm. being a runner. You know, there are a lot of opportunities like that for us. Maybe it's not for everybody to become a spin instructor, but like, but there are 
thing ways and maybe areas that we could explore more and be present to more that we wouldn't have been able to see when we were so focused on what we thought was. Oh, so true. Well, and I think that kind of leads to my next question. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about this new area where I'm kind of seeing God calling you into. I know that you have a passion for diversity and for diversity in running specifically. Mm -hmm. You have been doing some good work in this area. What are some of those things that God's been calling you to in terms of diversity? And I'm especially in 2020 with some of the racial climate and tension that's going on in our world. I think I am still constantly asking that question (laughs) to the Lord myself because it's just been a step-by-step journey for me. As much as I am someone who likes having a big plan (laughs) and knowing, it just seems like that is not how God (laughs) um, leads me. And so in regards to the work of amplifying diverse voices and building representation, a lot of that just started with me feeling a sense, like just really recognizing the feelings and experiences that I have had in the running world, but also just in the world at large of being made to feel other or not enough or dismissed or invalidated because of my appearance, because of my race Mm -hmm. and because of the assumptions that are made about me because I am an Asian American female. I experienced and witnessed a lot of that growing up and seeing the ways that the adults in my community were mistreated and spoken to with contempt and many other examples that we don't need to get into at this point. But a lot of that, I think I did not know how to process. And I felt a lot of shame in being an Asian American. And I didn't realize that I felt that way either until later in my adult life. But again, like through running and through that year of being injured in 2017 and kind of learning to find my voice and sense of self as a child of God and then growing in my own self-acceptance that also entailed accepting my the part of my identity as a Taiwanese-American female and then just witnessing the what I felt like were the social inequities and injustices that were happening through that lens. Now that's part of us using our voice, you know, to, to speak up and to call out what is wrong. And so I started to do that and it's just kind of been building (laughs) from there and the things that I share and the things that I post, it, it may not be overt, but I still always try to see everything through a gospel lens. It's not like there's one people group that is the one antagonist and there's not one people group that's the one protagonist. Ultimately, racism exists because of sin, right? <laughs> and, and there's always going to be like power dynamics that play into that. 
that's not going to be resolved if we elect one president over the other. <laughs> and it's not going to be resolved if we just put one people group down or lift one person group up. So well said. <laughs> I I can really appreciate that too. And especially during this this season where we've been forced to think about some of those things. I want our listeners to hear about some of these organizations or coalitions that you're a part of, because I'm not sure that people even know that they exist. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the Running Industry Diversity Coalition. What is that? Kind of how did you get involved in it? And if, you know, if there's invitation for others to get involved, let our listeners know about that. The Running Industry Diversity Coalition um, was created by a handful of people. Allison Desir, she is uh, the creator of many things, actually Harlem Runs, Run for All Women, Meaning Through Movement Tour, a lot of things. <laughs> so she connected with Chris, I cannot say his full name, Chris Lampin. Okay, the CEO of Gazelle Sports, and then and they also combined with the DEI director of HOCA and anyways, a group of industry leaders okay. <laughs> who care about the racial inequities in the running world. And then who also believe that the running world, the running community can be an example and leader in making social change to the rest of the world. This core team of people got together and decided to come up with like mission statements and just like initiatives and resources and ways to help, help equip different companies, groups, individuals in making this social change that everybody's talking about, that people are saying, like, we need to do the work, but like, what does that look like? And so one aspect of this coalition is to provide resources, whether it's through the form of workshops or grants, things like that. And then also to provide a network, contacts for small business owners, you know, that are black and brown owned. That's kind of what this coalition is. At this point, and I was invited to to be a part of it. And so at least for this next year, we're just focused on getting the word out and trying to involve and welcome as many people who want to be a part of this as they want. Uh, yeah, as many people as possible. <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. Well, we'll definitely right. put the link to that in our show notes. I'm just excited to hear about that. And if any of our listeners are interested in pursuing more, I was looking at the website a little bit this morning, mm -hmm. but it has some more details yes. expanding on what mm -hmm. Carolyn shared. And then there's this other thing going on with Runner's World. And I know this is a little bit more recent, but there's this initiative called the Runner's Alliance in Safety, which mm -hmm. I've seen that you're involved in. Tell us a little bit more about that. As well. The woman who's started this initiative. Her name is Taylor Dutch. And uh, basically, she had an encounter where a couple of years ago, she was running along that same uh, town lake trail that uh, I like to run along when I'm in Austin. But she was running and she was assaulted by someone. And she did all the right things where she like got a picture of the person. She immediately called, you know, police and reported it, but they never caught the per the guy. And he apparently, there apparently had been 
uh, a few other incidences where the same person, you know, who fit the description was reported from that experience. I mean, we already know of all the safety concerns that women have in general when women are out running, especially by themselves. In light of that, she wanted to create some kind of alliance and platform to raise awareness to hopefully eventually normalize having women out running and uh, to normalize the concept that it doesn't matter what we're wearing. It doesn't matter what time of day. It's not okay to assault us, but it's not okay to, uh, to comment or to like think you can drive next to us and like call out or those types of things. Like what are the things that create a safe community as, and what impedes on that safety, right? And so, but Taylor also was very aware that being a white woman, she also holds privilege that, that many women of color do not experience or hold necessarily. And so then she reached out to a handful of other women of color who are runners, whom she felt like could also represent different communities more than she as one individual could. And so that's how the Runners Safety Alliance formed. And every single woman who is a part of that advocate does amazing advocacy work in the in their segment of community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're working with Runners World and also with Hoka and with Garmin mm -hmm. to try to create different partnerships and raise awareness. Well, thank you so much for your work with that and even in kind of educating our listeners. I think it's it's a big issue across the country and also being a woman who's a runner who has experienced assault, it's something that I am passionate about. We have three daughters as well. And so, you know, just thinking about what that looks like to create safe spaces for women to exercise. Just awesome. Thank you for that. In this podcast, we like to talk about the intersection of running and faith. So how has running and faith intersected in your life? And do you consider running a spiritual practice? My Instagram handle is I run for the glory. <laughs> and that was originally the name of my blog back in the day. There was just something about the metaphor of running, you know, in scripture that always just like resonated with me and intrigued me. And just the idea of like physical training, spiritual training, and that the importance of community and how it's not like life itself and our spiritual uh, journey is not an individual activity even if it may feel at times it is it is personal but it's really also collective in hebrews 11 right we're reminded of all of the all of the saints <laughs> before us who strove towards the not yet right mm -hmm. in faith and and then how then in chapter 12 right we are called to be encouraged by that to, to continue pressing on and that ultimately it's Christ who we focus on, right? As we continue in this ultra marathon. I, I think I'm constantly filtering through that, that question of, am I running for my own glory <laughs> or am I running 
for the glory of Christ. And if I claim that I am running for the glory of Christ, how am I doing that? The Instagram handle itself is a reminder, like almost like a self-check for me too, in asking the Lord, how am I using <laughs> the the voice and the platform that you give you've given me to to amplify who you are and what is true? Well, that yeah. is preaching my heart, girl. <laughs> it's so much what Sean and I are about and what our new book and our podcast is about. And so I love hearing you just articulate that. And I want to just encourage people to follow Carolyn on Instagram. Her handle, like she said, is I run for the glory. And in addition, she also has Diverse We Run, which is a separate Instagram account. I'm just wondering, how can people support you? Where can we connect with you and how can we support you? Well, you can connect with me through those Instagram <laughs> accounts, or you can email diversewerun at gmail.com. I do enjoy hearing from people or connecting with people just virtually. My prayer is that God would continue to help me help each of us, you know, recognize that, you know, and embrace who he has made us individually, uniquely to be. And then to be able to live freely in that. That's, That's a beautiful right place, <laughs> I think, you. for us to kind of land our conversation, even though I have lots of other questions I could ask yeah. you. I just want to say thank you for sharing your heart. Thanks for sharing God's truth with us today and challenging us. We appreciate having you as a guest on our show. It's yeah. a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This week's coaching tip is about keeping a journal or log of your running and workout activities. Keeping a journal about your running experiences helps you capture your feelings and thoughts about your training, highlight your favorite runs, and describe any other reflections that you have. In addition, you can also include all the data that many runners love to focus on. How, how long was the run? How far did you run? You know, if you have a heart rate monitor, what your heart rate is, what your cadence is, if you're measuring that. It just is a great archive and record of where you were at one point in time in your running journey. And you can reflect back on your running logs or running journals throughout the years. And 10, 20 years later, it will be filled with several memories that you will cherish. Now, I have been keeping a manual training log for nearly 30 years. Each year, I order a new training log sometime around November or December and just... And then the following year, I just fill it with all my workouts and all my runs. And recently, I actually started an online training journal and training log in the form of Strava. Some people use Garmin Connect. I know that, that that's another popular online training journal. So there are several options where they want to keep more of a manual written journal or a digital one several options for you to log about your running experiences.
before we close, I just wanted to share a few more details with you about our new book, Walk, Run, Soar, which is a 52-week devotional, but it's also a training journal designed for runners and walkers. And we even have space at the back of each of the chapters where you can record some of your reflections, some of the things that God's shown you on your run. And there's even a spot for recording mileage. So you can do what Sean has been talking about here, recording feelings, thoughts, and stats related to your running. And it's great for seeing your progress. This book was really designed to help people experience God's presence in a deeper way. And so we hope that it's something you might check out and consider because it makes a great Christmas gift for the runners and walkers in your family. And don't forget to join our free Glory Chasers Christian Running Group Facebook community. We offer up coaching, courage, and community in that space. We would love to connect with you there. And you can also connect with other runners and walkers across the globe. One other way to connect with us a little bit more personally is through my weekly Glorygram, which is a newsletter that I send out. It's kind of a VIP thing that includes an inspirational story from my real life every week. And I always include recommendations for great books, videos, music, and Sean gives running tips. It's a place where we share our hearts. We know that social media can sometimes get a little noisy. So it's something that is delivered into your inbox every week. Check that out. You can sign up at DorenaGilmore.com. This was episode 11 of the Walk Run Soar podcast, where we talk about the intersection of running and faith. Next week is actually our final episode of this season, and we have a very special guest who is joining us. So don't miss it. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. This actually helps other people find the podcast one of the reviews that has been shared over at Apple Podcasts said, I love all the ways they connect life, faith, and running. And this isn't just for runners. It's so encouraging. So thank you to A.D. Blodge who shared that over on Apple Podcasts. There's several other great reviews that are over there. It only takes a minute. You only have to write a sentence or two, and it helps us so much if you review the podcast. Well, thanks, friends, for tuning in. We look forward to connecting with you again next Wednesday for the final episode of Walk, Run, Soar.